0: Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy, this is Steve Walsh. Hello. And welcome to Streatham, the hamlet on the street. We're outside Streatham Station at the moment. Very unimpressive building, isn't it?
1: South London railway stations are not good, are they? Very functional things.
0: Yeah, these uh, we'll be walking from Streatham to Streatham Hill, essentially. And it's two of the least impressive train stations <laughs> in, in an unremarkable semi-city.
1: The only thing that West London has over the rest of London, I think, is uh, tube stations and railway stations.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say they've got a load of other stuff as well, but that's... Like, over us? That it's better show. than us? Yeah, 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 like, um, you know, museums.
1: They're doing all right in there. Oh, you're giving them, right, Natural History Museum and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. fair, that's fair, <laughs> that's where it is. I'm thinking, like, greenford Peruval, <laughs> West London.
0: <laughs> Royal Ahab, Royal Albert Hall, we anything to... As halls know. go, Stanley yeah. Hall in
1: West Norwoods. I mean, you know, we're not doing too bad.
0: Before we get started, uh, another reminder for you to use the Amazon link on southlandhardcore.com when you do all your Amazon shopping. Use the same link to sign up for an Amazon Prime free trial and you'll help fund the show. T-shirts available from southlandhardcore.com. And we're on Twitter, at SLHC, Instagram the same, and facebook.com slash Hardcore. We've moved into the car park under Morrisons and in preparation for this show, I sent a message to noted Streatham resident and Streathamite, Robert Vaughan, Dunwich Hamlet fan and uh, former mayoral candidate. And uh, I asked him, where should I go in Streatham? And he wasn't that helpful, to be honest. One of his, <laughs> he goes, most of the places I would recommend a, a personal resonance, like the car park under Morrisons. <laughs> I don't know why that is, I dread to think why. And uh, so
1: that's where we are. We're underneath the Morrison's. Streatham's a place with some personal memories on my part as well. When I was at primary school, my first sort of best friend was a guy called Richard Long. And we met, as a lot of kids did uh, in primary school. We had a big fight in the playground, and we were sat outside the head teacher's office. We just got talking.
0: And oh, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, just got on after that. Uh, yeah, lovely guy. Uh, Irish family, like myself. And his parents, they had a flat on Denmark Hill, uh, which I'd go around to a lot. His parents had a car as well, so like, I'd go around his house a lot. He'd rarely go around mine. Such luxury. It was unknown to me. I couldn't get over the fact that we just get anything and they go wherever they wanted to. <laughs> Didn't have to wait for it, just sort of, why aren't we stopping at the... Because uh, it's not a traffic light. That's the only Didn't thing. Didn't
0: have to put your feet through the floor and
1: run it. Like <laughs> I spent weekends around a rich place in Denmark Hill, but his parents also had an off-license on Streatham High Road. Oh. And we spent a lot of time around there as well because they had a flat above that. So reading really
0: like meme Machines and stuff. Those a magazine about Computer Games. I right. know. Shoot.
1: Well, no, yeah, that was it. He had a, an Amstrad CPC 464. I had a Spectrum, so that was another level. Had a built-in uh, tape recorder. Um, had a cinema right across the road. And obviously, like, you're in the flat above uh, an off-license. So we had, like, pretty much unlimited access to... Alcohol. Uh, Well, you know, Fanta, crisps, it was chocolate, it was great. I drank my first ever can of Bass Shandy there. Felt like a million bucks, it was great. Yeah, and he had an older brother who was uh, obsessed with Madonna and had uh, a tremendous range of air rifles and pellet guns. One of our favourite memories, actually a couple of favourite memories, watching Back to the Future there. And then going round Richard's house for, like, I think it was like six weekends in a row and going to see Back to the Future every time at the cinema across the road, it was a massively important film for me, for me at the age. Good, good film. Very good, very good. Stands up, stands up. But um, I remember one night we were uh, in the flat and across the road from where the off-licence was, there was an office block and there was this, like, security guards that had to, like, sit in the foyer overnight. I don't know why. Um, and Richard's brother was like, I reckon... My gun can reach the window oh And we're like Across the road And he's like I reckon I reckon So we did this thing Where we were firing pellets Across Stratum High Road At this glass window And obviously It's a pellet gun So it's not doing damage But it's just like A tapping sound But from An almost Imperceptible source <laughs> So yeah. This guy's like And it was really weird Watching it Where he was like You could see him look up A few times so He fired a few A few shots across and then he sort of looked puzzled and got up and then he stood there and there's a few more and he's like dotting them around this big glass window and he got to the point where the guy's like looking up at the sky and he opened the door like unlocked the door and put his hand out to check for hail <laughs> and he went out to sort of look around and uh, Richard's brother was like I shoot him in the leg and I, I, I don't think guns are that accurate but also I was like no because then he knows <laughs> then he knows what's happening he's just kidding shooting with pelicans whereas at that point he just looked Terrified by the ghost that was definitely tapping on the window.
0: I see you've written on your notes, A23, Steve. I hope you've got more exciting stuff than <laughs> yeah.
1: I'd like I'd like to do with me having a single sheet of paper with A23 in, like, you know, 35-point uh, script. But it, I, that isn't the case. Now it's just a little note on the sort of development of Streatham High Road. It's originally a Roman road that connected London to the coast. It became the A23 now used as a main sort of link road wise from, from London to Gatwick and Brighton in 2002 uh, voted the worst street in Britain Shrekham High Roads
0: yeah it was named the word, by the BBC wasn't it and by the um, some kind of group um, architectural group right right
1: I mean I don't think it's a terrible high road at all there's loads of stuff
0: it's yeah, not well I mean it's the high road you're going down now is is uh, in part a reaction to that. That's survey. true. That's true.
1: Yeah, and yeah, we're talking twelve years ago, but I don't ever remember it being. You know, my take on a bad high road is loads of empty shops, and I don't remember uh, Streatham ever being, you know, dead in that sense of like there's nothing there. There's always been huge transition turnover of shop fronts, but I think that's endemic to late twentieth century, early twentieth century capitalism. Historically, though, Streatham was a very nice place to live, a suburb that developed with the arrival of railways and. The emergence of the new money middle class first became known as the home of the Worthies the Stratton Worthies who were, who were they? They were a group of people captured in portrait by Joshua Reynolds, who was a friend of Hester Thrale, whose house became, you'd say, a literary salon, but it was almost like a, just a, a creative salon. It would, it would well, just. Used to get would haircut. Yeah. Haircut beard trim no beards no beards not at this point but it just became a place that massively significant people would congregate just to sort of chat about stuff I mean Samuel Johnson the most famous and a bit of a a lodestone you feel to the whole thing like attracting other people to, yeah, well, to, to come a along a dictionary
0: guy is he
1: yeah lexicographer but also you know you get the feeling a bit of a a raconteur and a a character the sort of you know uh, one of those people who becomes a person of the age that other people want to just sort of sit down and go i had tea with samuel johnson it becomes that sort of cachet to it
0: much like yourself
1: similar (laughs) samuel johnson of uh pench no one has ever called me but yeah oliver goldsmith edmund burke david garrick you know actors scientists and philosophers that are the leading lights of their age, all congregating in Streatham to have tea in Hester Summerhouse. summer house.
0: What about um, Henry Tate? What's his
1: link to the area? Had a house in Streatham and it was from that place that his philanthropy sort of spread across South London. So we get loads of libraries that he establishes using his own private wealth which is you know a pattern the conservative government would like to see continue with libraries <laughs> okay. into the 21st century we need a henry tate because they're not prepared to use money that i'm happy to hand over as taxes to spend on that apparently
0: yeah well, we've got the tate library coming up shortly haven't we
1: that's right we also paid a visit to the new ice and leisure center in stratham to catch a game with the Streatham redskins
0: We're at the Streatham Ice Arena. We've just seen Streatham Redskins beat Bracknell Hornets 6-1. It was a pretty comprehensive victory, wasn't it? Yeah, a bit of a dip in the middle period. Uh, just recycled punditry Tube that shocking,
1: shocking. <laughs> also, yeah, yeah, just the one goal. But, you know, established an early
0: lead and then uh, cemented it in the last period. I've never played hockey, ice hockey I should say, or watched it on television, seen clips obviously here and there.
1: I watched bits and pieces on the Olympics, but nothing you know, never really followed it properly.
0: Or well, they, they fired up the Zamboni. <laughs> They're gonna be I don't know, de-icing, to de- ice an ice ring. De- icing, de-icing. de-icing. <laughs> but it's tremendously exciting up close, wouldn't it? I mean we were up against the glass and there's sort of players smashing into it here and there.
1: Yeah, at one point a uh, stick flew. An inch away from your face, and that probably the best bit though when I saw guys just slammed into like exactly where we were standing, and the arena moved in there. It, it mm. does just sort of like shift as they're uh, banging into it.
0: Yeah, it certainly moved me. Um, your man Hopkins, a couple of huge guys, Dominic Hopkins and someone Britton who uh, stood out, and this Hopkins smashed in a winner, well, I a winner, the, the final. Well, also a bit of uh, an enforcer on the rink as well. There's a, uh,
1: a lovely bit in the uh, middle period where this guy was getting right in there saying so he did like a bit of a Darth Vader move, sort of grabbed around the neck and the guy immediately calmed uh, down. Uh, then he skated off and the guy started kicking off again. Like do you ever get Donald like, Trump back over to tell you again?
0: I mean I'm no expert on these things Steve, far from it, but it seemed to me that with all the kind of uh, rough housing Stretton were just coming out on top every time. Whenever the players clashed into each other, it would be the uh, the other guy that was going down. Two big guys
1: for Stretton, but no run really equivalent in terms of being that, that on-ringing enforcer
0: for Bracknell. Yeah, they needed a goon or two, didn't they? So they've been going since 1935. But they were called Stretton then. And they've been called the Redskins since 1974. Redskins, the Washington Redskins, that's a different sport, is it not? Yeah, that's uh, American football. Right. How do you feel about that name, Steve? Uh, I don't think
1: it's defensible or acceptable.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, the, you know, uh, 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 at least with the Washington Redskins, they claim that it's because of Native American traditions in the area. I mean, there's better ways to honour Native yeah. Americans in the area than that. But like, Streatham, it's just adopting an American movement. Which you know obviously yeah. that's so fair enough.
0: It's bad for that reason. I mean it's pretty lame in it to put yeah, yourself, Redskins. Yeah. Wrong sport, like you say. But um Yes you think they should change the name?
1: I think so. Yeah I mean I think the Washington Redskins should so and if I think they've got a great name yeah, well, well, the, the Redskins, Redskins, Redskins then they definitely should. No. I think um there's the Chicago Blackhawks, and I think that name in hockey is wrong. A Native American
0: tribe from the area. So there's a tradition of yeah, it's slightly different, though, as you say. Yeah. And the Bracknell Hornets less troublesome in it, stronger. Uh, Bracknell Hornets will want to swarm. <laughs> they had the uh, great socks with the black and
1: yellow stripes, really doing the trick. I would say, uh, as well as changing the name from Redskins, the Stratton logo is
0: yeah, it's weak, it? it Looks like weak. something you would see on a. Uh, uh, tourist store in central London. So this is uh, fairly new this arena isn't it? Very nicely put together.
1: Yeah it was part of the, the deal where the previous land was sold to a supermarket um, and it was part of that Supermarket Act to rebuild an ice arena and they've done a great job to be fair. I, I was a bit worried when you sort of realise it's a legal requirement they're just going to put up a bit of a shack and just sort of let them get on with it because they got no interest but they've done a
0: good job. So the old ice rink is old, even older than uh, the hockey team. In 1931 it was built, and when it was eventually demolished or refurbished, as should say, sold, it was the second oldest in the country. Did you ever go to the old place? I did once, yeah. It, I went. I was signed up for Play Scheme, which was based out of Waverley School in um, edge of, sort of Peckham and... Peckham, Rye, And, Ryan. and uh, we went to ice skated for a day trip, and I just sat inside. Don't no. I even put on, put, even put the skates on? And I once went um, with Lakeisha. Um, we went to the Tower of London ice skating, and I went round once, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this again. It just felt so unnatural. Yeah, I tried it once and didn't get over it. I mean, there's photographs
1: of me just on my knees, just you know, incapable of staying upright. Which uh, after today, I think it's a bit of a shame because like, I was watching the game unfold. And you're and thinking that like, could
0: have been you. Well, I'm just looking at it. You could have at, been an amateur hockey player. It's
1: just, it's just like loads of padding, oversized shirts and mandatory beards. It's the sport that I was built for, isn't it? That's the
0: thing. Mandatory? Yeah.
1: Is that how
0: you say it? Isn't it mandatory? <laughs> Speaking of being on your backside in the ring, Cliff Richard and uh, Hank Marvin saw a photo of them at the old ice rink. It's a kind of BBC page with a load of photos from over the years when it was being closed down. And one of those two being... What's the woman's name? Someone Norfolk? I don't know. She was teaching him how to skate. Not very well, of course. Yeah, 16-year-old kid got shot there in 2007.
1: Oh, what was Oh,
0: did you not? Know? No. I still I went hear know. in here straight and my string. That's why. That's my immediate Right. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, quite the landmark, wasn't it? When we um, interviewed Richie Chandler, he was just like just trying to talk about the straight and my ring throughout <laughs> the interview. <laughs> so, nine to get in normally. We're going free. On a Dulwich Hamlet, Stretton Redskins crossover deal. What do you think, Steve? Good value? Yeah, it's a few hours, isn't it? It's uh, all action, plenty going on. You almost guarantee goals. I can't imagine a nil-nil in hockey. No, you guarantee fights. (laughs) (laughs) We've taken a turn down Pendennis Road, and we're outside number 13, uh, the birthplace of Arnold Banks, where there is an English Heritage blue plaque. Uh, composer and poet whose uh, musical style blended elements of romanticism and impressionism. Notable, I'm told, by uh, resident musicologist Stephen Graham. He'd know, wouldn't he? Yeah. Maybe uh, we could pick an Arnold Back song for an upcoming South London the playlist and have a chat about them. then. I think
1: we'd do it justice, best, with Stephen in the room, telling us why it's good. Why it's good to blend romanticism and impressionism.
0: Hmm. We're now outside Dunraven School. Well, we're outside the Sixth Form building, so it's pretty new. Most famous most famous attendee, Naomi Campbell, I would imagine. One of the most famous supermodels of, you know, in history. And uh, yeah, Stratum Girl. We talked about her in depth on the uh, 10 worst stuff on those episodes because she is a violent woman, isn't she?
1: <laughs> I um, was getting the bus to school uh, one day when I was in the first year, secondary school. uh, And my bus used to go sort of up through Norwood, near Streatham, not through Streatham. And uh, there was two girls, a few years older, um, sitting on chairs near me. I spent the whole bus ride just saying to me, little boy, why are you so ugly? (laughs) And and various various different versions of it. I'm just sort of sitting there thinking, this is is horrible. This is what going to school is now. This is terrible. And it was, uh, I remember telling that story... Uh, to my friend Matthew a few years back, and he was like, um, So I was like a few years old, he's like, So they would have been like 14? I was like, Yeah, I guess 14. And he was like, well, I, I was like, One black girl, one white girl. And he was like, Katie Moss and Naomi They know, they know, I
0: they, know. know. If, they know.
1: You um, can't argue with it.
0: So is there anything positive to say about Steve? Because we said the negatives on that. Um, she's
1: you. physically attractive. I mean, that's yeah. a terrible way to reduce any woman, isn't it?
0: There was a Mount Nod School, right? We're currently on Mount Nod Road, so I think it's safe to say that Dunraven Became. was probably called Mount Nod at one, one point. And the most famous person to come out of Mount Nod School, or the most important person, maybe, Ursula Vernon Eason. I'm just saying, Ursula Eason. You were of her?
1: I wasn't until doing the research for the show, but yeah, a remarkable character to be able to lane plane to in South London.
0: Yeah, she was a BBC radio broadcaster and television producer. Uh, pioneer of television programs for deaf children in the fifties and sixties. So she works for the Children's Hour. Do you know that show, Steve?
1: I know of it. Yeah, I'm not that old, but I'm aware of uh, its existence.
0: Um, she was on there as Auntie Phoebe, as well as being like the producer. And she apparently, I don't know if she sort of brought the magic roundabout over but she gets credit for kind of putting the magic roundabout on British television.
1: Yeah she buys the rights to this French animated series but then gets it revoiced for the British market and a lot of the sort of magic of the magic roundabout is in the particular sensibility and tone which comes from the sort of character performances.
0: So during the war because all the men went to war she was head of BBC Northern Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) It's (laughs) extraordinary. But yeah, like I say, it was the, uh, the, the, um, she brought signing, which was apparently quite unpopular with teachers of the deaf at the time. I'm not sure why. Uh, brought that onto television. And like, I watch a lot of children's television now, obviously Xavier is two years old. And like, Mr. Tumble, are you aware of it? I'm not, no. It's just, uh, I hate it. I really <laughs> He's like a kind of human Mr. Blobby type, just sort of, wanders about. But, I mean, he, you know, he has... You make
1: him sound like Rodney Dangerfield. He thinks it's good. It's not good. No
0: respect at all. <laughs> yeah, he's... I mean, it's the show is, like, full of disabled children. You know, he signs all the way through. You know, you learn a bit of Makaton from it. And, you know, she's paved the way for that, really. I know what Makaton
1: is, but maybe some of our listeners aren't
0: as, uh, what's Makaton? I've never heard of it. It's a sign language. Isn't oh, it? right. It's a type of sign language. Oh, no, oh sorry, I, I thought Yeah, no,
1: I, uh, I just thought it was an international standard. I didn't realise there were derivations.
0: So she ended up in a, a nursing home in Cuba Green, and then was cremated at Mortlake. So a real important stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, now we're outside Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> pipe's fight pipe The pipe's goes do up move. alarmingly high. Wow, and it's wobbling. We're outside the South London Press headquarters. We were going to record in the doorway because you can get out of the way of the wind, but there was vomit in both doorways. Well,
1: also the defunct headquarters of South London Press.
0: Yes, it's closed down. Yeah, not their actual base now, but still got all the sort of frontage, isn't it? Really tacky. Yeah, it? it's yeah. got you know South London Press just the letters stuck up on a wall. And then it's got like a banner. That says South uh, South London Press makes your day. Like if McDonald's are not using the slogan anymore, we'll have it. Is that the idea? <laughs> also, uh, you're not a daily newspaper.
1: No. That's well, not also, nice, three yeah. days after you come out, uh, you're still making uh, my day. Diminishing returns. Where is the headquarters now? Uh, I think it's, it's further out, but I couldn't tell you where to be honest. Yeah, not really in South London, I don't think. Controversially,
0: how do you feel about the South London Press, Steve? Uh. I mean, obviously, bitter that they never give us any coverage.
1: Yeah, I feel I <laughs> feel they could do more as a hyper local publication. Mm. You know, stay in South London would be uh, no. They might still be uh, on the periphery. Who knows? But um, I live in Penge <laughs> Am I to uh, point the finger? But um, yeah, no. It just seems like it's a bit of a, a shame that with the rise of the internet and the rise in the, the classifieds. They, money they'd make they'd have to just like chase the dollar so like you ask them to promote an event and they're like well no you could buy some advertising You're like, just tell people about it you creeps <laughs> like, my um, friend of mine used to work there and uh, work in the classified section and so they, they faced a huge problem where obviously the massage adverts in the South London Press rule for prostitutes <laughs> so <laughs> they imposed a rule that they couldn't take advertising from people at, uh, offering massage uh, services, unless they were certified masseuses. Uh, but obviously, no one at the South London Press knows what a massage certificate looks like. Mm-hmm. So they were getting in like initially, things look quite legit as massage certificates with like the money and the copy. But towards the end, it was just like you know, like when you get like words yeah, and there's like yeah, yeah. certificates on there, uh-huh. and it's like massage spelt wrong.
0: Uh-huh. And it was
1: like yeah. yes, fully, fully certified. And it was a lot of them were just like the copy. Uh, that they'd ask for in the email <laughs> just cut and paste it onto <laughs> the certificate yeah, okay. with uh, a little uh,
0: badge type thing in the corner. Oh, that's great. Yeah, brilliant. And we're just metres away, really, from the site of the first ever supermarket in Britain. Remarkable, isn't it? That is remarkable.
1: We're wow. constantly digging up incredible things on this show. Things that you, you know, we've lived all our lives and we, I've never heard a whisper about, you know, South London being the home. First first McDonald's,
0: first supermarket. I think, it was it 1951? Yeah, yeah. Because if you type in first supermarket in Britain, there's a lot of dispute about what is the first supermarket right. in Britain. People saying this, this, this. But this is... There's one in... Um, Leeds, is there one? There's one on the other side of the river somewhere. Right. Uh, East London. Somewhere in East London. But they didn't have the fresh produce. Right, the, right. Where they had in yeah, the yeah. Express Dairies. What's it called? Premier supermarket was eventually renamed. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, when I used to, uh, when I was a kid, and I went to church. The pastor used to refer to the British supermarket as the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> I think he kind of had a point, you know what I mean? Like you had to walk down these aisles, and you know what? That was like that would have been ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and even since then, like you walk down aisles and you can't believe what they've got. That's no, incredible. You know, fifty-seven varieties. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's like two hundred different sauces. I love it. I love shopping. I love food shopping. Walking around and you just... I could get any of this stuff. <laughs> you know, only if it's reduced to clear that. <laughs> Loco chicken and ribs have just passed. Cra- I don't know, crazy prices. They should do that, shouldn't they? <laughs> just offering free copy. Mega Bowl, Steve.
1: Yeah, I think the thing I, what I was saying earlier about always thinking of Streatham being vibrant is partly to do with the fact... It's always, you know, historically, it's been an entertainment hotspot, and it was always a place I used to go out with my friends. So I always think of it as a place where things happen. I mean, sometimes terrible things. Um, I remember one night we were out in a pub in Streatham, and a guy got into an altercation with one of the bouncers. A couple of his friends got involved, go couple of bar staff got involved. Go so there's like six people having a scuffle on Streatham High Road. Um, me and my mates are heading off to get out of there because it doesn't look good and uh, the police turn up but apparently it's like, like you know like once you get a certain amount of people it's a riot yeah. whatever amount right. of people this was in a scuffle it involved getting a, an attack dog team down there wow. so yeah so suddenly I just stands on the sides watching this remarkable thing of like dogs being set on people and people getting dragged all over the place and in the middle of it all because my mate Mark got his shirt ripped where a dog had sort of like taken a bite out of it. Oh, and uh, I was like, I was like, you know, it's lucky it's your shirt and not a chunk of you. But he's uh, nearly crying because this is a brand new shirt and he loves it. <laughs> it weren't a nice shirt. And my mate Paul probably could have been more sensitive, but went over and went, the dog's done you a favour. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the time. It's not the time, not the time, Paul. But um, yeah, as you say, uh, cinemas uh, traditionally and now. The Mega Bowl, which I never went to a lot.
0: No, I didn't go at all.
1: Probably most famous as a scene of an attack on Tim Westwood.
0: Oh, is that where it was?
1: Drive by. Yeah, yeah it was something like that. But apparently, set up, innit? Yeah, it was a thing where he wasn't paying protection money to some gangsters for oh, his club it's nights. Not yeah, I no, i you'd just
0: been like, oh no, I've been drive by. No, yeah,
1: apparently, oh, I think we all sort of laughed it off at the time. We did, yeah. But it sounds like it was genuinely horrible, in that there were these gangsters going around intimidating a lot of promoters and DJs into paying protection money on uh, clubs and nights, and he didn't, so he got a
0: little a
1: little warning, which yeah. is yeah, horrible. Caesars as well which I went to uh, a few times yeah yeah
0: quite you know I was too young and also I never ended up going through like a club in the phase yeah no but, like, it, was it was pretty it grim was, it had a big reputation when I was uh, in primary school
1: well it, you know traditionally the Locarno Ballroom uh, mm. had seen the likes of Glenn Miller Lauren Hardy the Rolling Stones small faces play there I went there and it was bad a bad club and then I went there later on this is towards the end they were doing like cage fighting
0: there Oh, right. Yeah, you my friends. Cage fight? Yeah,
1: my friend's friend was cage fighting. and He was like, this guy's really good. And I was like, I don't really." I went along with my mate, win? essentially. He got battered. <laughs> and it didn't even look... It just looked terrible. Um, also used as uh, uh, all the yeah. scenes of boxing in Snatch were filmed yeah, in Caesar's yeah. So, you know, yeah, that's a decent... Uh,
0: I think Snatch is a great film. I love really it. Really good, really
1: yeah. good. You know, Brad Pitt uh, yeah. walked these streets.
0: Yeah, there's a uh, also another scene in Snatch. You know where, funnily enough, where those dogs get the, the big guy that's in Lambeth Fork right, right I mean there's a sign on the wall that says Lambeth Fork you know there's, there's no deceptive work involved and they've still got a sign up there for some Derek Acora type thing well
1: the, the the later history of Caesars is quite fascinating because the last owner of it was a guy called Fred Bax, who owned it as a nightclub and did all the cage fighting stuff managed to get the first female boxing match in Britain held there so a little bit of boxing history uh, in, yeah, in well, South for London for sure yeah but um he was all, He's an interesting character because, like, uh, as the club is, is falling to its knees, he declares himself to be a demonologist and decides that the ghost of Ruth Ellis, the last woman hanged in Britain, is haunting Caesars because she worked there as a nightclub hostess in the 60s. Right. But this is just as Most Haunted and other shows are coming onto British television. So he invites the Most Haunted TV crew down to film in Caesars to try and find the ghost of... Ruth Ellis, which is why they still a sign out in the front for paranormal TV. Right. But obviously they don't find a ghost of Ruth Ellis for a, a number of reasons. But um, yeah, it's an interesting sort of career swerve, isn't it? Sort of go, I'm a nightclub owner, the nightclub's not working. I've not mentioned it before, but I am a demonologist. <laughs> and he apparently was trying to get his own TV show off the back of it as well. I don't know how far he got. I've never The name Fred Bat doesn't resonate with me in terms of uh, demonology or telly.
0: The name Simon Callow does though, doesn't it? Steve? It does. It does. One of uh, one of Streatham's other great sons, isn't it? But Simon Callow, we don't want to blow all our materials, Steve. We'll get an episode out of that, won't we? We'll yeah. Of the yeah. Callow films.
1: Yeah. That sounds like a handful of Callows <laughs> <laughs> starring Simon <laughs> Callow. <laughs> Going back to demonologists, Alistair Crowley lived in uh, Streatham for a, a while there. Okay. So it's a, yeah, which may have also inspired Fred Bats' later uh, conversion to. Uh, I say the dark side, probably the, uh, the quite light side, because he's trying to get on telly to talk about demons. Isn't he? He's not, you know, in a basement burning candles.
0: Yeah, I saw this quite good uh, Simon Callow uh, interview on some paper or other. He says, I was born in Streatham in South London in 1949. They called it the Hampstead of the South then, which is probably pushing it a bit. But it was certainly Hill with delis, patisseries, and a grand department store called Prats. Hill," he's saying.
1: Streatham's legacy as a hotbed of acting and actors isn't strong with the decline of uh, the theatres and the, the movie palaces. But there, there are plans in the redeveloped Mega Bowl, which is going to be mostly residential, to build a theatre into it. But it looks a pretty shambolic plan for a theatre. Like it's basically a room with space for chairs, but there's no wings, there's no backstage, there's like one changing room with a curtain down the middle for male and female performers. So it looks like you know, you'd be asking them probably to like shave off one luxury apartment to fit in the space yeah. to do a theatre properly. You're not getting
0: Simon Callow down, are No, you? he's not
1: gonna. You know, I need more than the curtains to protect my modesty, darling. He wouldn't say. He wouldn't say.
0: <laughs> well, Steve, I've lost my note. I've lost half my notes today, so I apologise. But I've also lost another bit that I did have a minute ago on uh, Georges Montefiore Levi, who discovered phosphorus bronze, which uh, is used to make cymbals and drum kits and stuff. I mean, fair
1: play, that's the extent of my notes and I've got them, so...
0: But you know, it's Streatham, the brass section, from <laughs> Steve, I'm going to have to go and get on the train, yeah? So do you want to finish off the show about me? Will do. Yeah? Grab uh, my headphones. Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> in terms of other famous residents of Streatham, we've got Groove Rider and Danny Rampling, who are famous in the sense of, I've heard of them, but I wouldn't consider myself a fan. June Whitfield, another famous comedy actress, best known for Terry and June and the carry-on work. Tommy Trinder, born in Streatham. We talked about him on our musical episode, so go back to that for more information on him. And earlier on, we walked down Streatham High Road and came across uh, a mural painted on some shutters of uh, a TARDIS stretched across, which is uh, possibly a tribute to Peter Davison, a Doctor Who actor who, again, was born in Streatham. John Galliano lived in Streatham for a while, uh, similar to Naomi Campbell with his legacy in the fashion industry. Possibly the most famous persons who have lived in Streatham was Cynthia Payne, Madam Sin, who in the 80s set up uh, a brothel in Streatham which captured the public imagination with the method of payment which was essentially uh, an exchange system using luncheon vouchers, which was a massive hit with uh, the scandal-filled Sunday papers of the 80s. There's a cemetery in Streatham that houses the remains of Donald McGill, the famous seaside postcard artist and Desmond Decker which is a real shock um, reggae artist best known for the Israelites who uh, was living in Thornton Heath when he passed on and is uh, buried in Streatham that's it for this week thanks for listening see you in a couple of weeks we'll have more South London related fun for you do get in touch on Twitter and Facebook if you want to ask us anything about the show and uh, we'll see you soon bye bye
0: South London Hardcore is now part of the Holdfast Network. Visit holdfastnetwork.com for other podcasts you may enjoy.